Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, and welcome to Tales from the Synapse, a podcast brought to you by Nature Careers in partnership with Nature Neuroscience. I'm Jean-Marie Zarate, a senior editor at the journal Nature Neuroscience. And in this series, we speak to brain scientists all over the world about their life, their research, their collaborations, and the impact of their work. In episode 11, we meet a researcher who is set on understanding trauma and to what extent it passes from generation to generation. I'm Isabelle Mansui, and I'm professor in neuroepigenetics at the University of Zurich and the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology uh, in Zurich, Switzerland. Neuroepigenetics is a new discipline in biology and neuroscience, which uh, combines neuroscience and epigenetics. So it's a discipline which uh, studies the intimate mechanisms which regulate uh, brain functions, so the functions of the nervous system. So classically, uh, we know that uh, the genome and genes that it contains or it carries uh, regulate uh, complex functions. Now with epigenetics, we are looking at factors and mechanisms which are beyond the genetic sequence itself, beyond the DNA sequence, beyond the genome, which uh, regulate uh, the function of the genome. So neuroepigenetics, it's really looking at the heart of brain cells or nervous cells of the nervous system, looking in the nucleus at the level of the genome, to understand how uh, the genome is regulated and what are the consequences for behavior and for brain functions. Not only it's uh, how the brain develops, how the brain functions, how the brain can drive our thoughts, how the brain can drive our movements, how all of this is regulated and how diseases can affect the nervous system. Uh, mental health and physical health, because you have, if you have a neurodegenerative disease, your body is going to be affected and your internal organs. So it's really the general science of understanding how brain cells or cells of the nervous system 
function. My work is in a discipline which is even different or which complements neuroepigenetics, which is epigenetic inheritance. The overall question is how indeed life experiences or environmental factors can shape our, our brain and our body and our mental health. Not just ours, but also the one from our uh, children, our descendants. So there are multiple questions here. First is how our life experiences can modify our brain, but also our reproductive system, our germ cells. So in men, sperm cells, and all previous cells, and in women, all sides. And if these reproductive cells are modified by the life experience or, or traumatic experiences, for instance, at the same time as the rest of the body, this could be responsible for the transfer, the transmission of some of the effects of the exposure to the children. This derives from uh, observation epidemiological studies in humans that um, for many psychiatric disorders, borderline personality disorder, uh, anxiety, depression, very severe and complex diseases, in many cases, the people have been exposed to traumatic experiences in, in childhood. Not necessarily them, but sometimes their parents or grandparents. So the idea emerged that uh, such type of adverse extreme experiences in childhood can modify the body so much that it can have imprints or traces even in reproductive cells. And these traces may be responsible for the expression, the manifestation of symptoms of exposure in the children or perhaps even the grandchildren. So what we are interested in is identifying these molecular traces in germ cells. Um, and for this, we are using uh, animal models. Animal models are used really to di dissect out the mechanism, but uh, all of this initially was observed in, in humans. There have been many cohorts linked to war trauma, linked to um, different uh, experiences that uh, populations, uh, oppressed populations, for instance, have been uh, have gone through. In animal research, we are trying to mimic human conditions by uh, exposing the animals either prenatally or after birth, during development or in adulthood to various conditions which mimic, which try to mimic the best uh, human stress. Like in mouse, we can use uh, restraint, for instance, or during development, uh, we can use maternal separation, unpredictable maternal separation. And by using these paradigms, which can vary in severity, in duration, in chronicity, we can induce stress, signs of stress in the animals, and then uh, benefit from that or exploit these animals to study the, mecha the underlying mechanism across tissues. We had a cohort of uh, traumatized uh, children at some point in Pakistan, but it was, it's a small cohort uh, that we put together to collect blood as a 
pilot or proof of principle of some of the results we have collected in mice. Other than this, we are not directly involved with patients. We, has co we have collaborations with uh, psychologists, psychiatrists through different consortia. I belong to four different consortia, three European and one Swiss, where uh, I have access to blood or saliva if I want with different people, people exposed to childhood trauma or to... Uh, we have a, a cohort of uh, medical students who are in the emergency room and who, are, who go through several weeks of a very stressful life. So this type of, uh, of studies and uh, we can have access to the biological fluids from these people and do analysis if we want. But ourselves, we are not directly involved in, uh, with patients. And indeed, there are two levels, I think. First of all is the knowledge, the gain in knowledge, because epigenetic inheritance itself, it's a form of heredity, which is linked not only to life experiences, but also to diet, to exposure of various factors like endocrine disruptors or pollutants in the, uh, in the uh, environment. Uh, it is known that all these factors, elements, the things that we encounter during our life can modify our body and have uh, effects in our offspring. So the general concept of epigenetic, of inheritance, this form of uh, transmission of acquired traits, there are features that uh, an organism starts developing after being exposed to some factor and that these features are passed to the following generations. And that uh, is not by culture, by behavior, or by anything else, but uh, embedded into reproductive cells. So when this relates to traumatic experiences or childhood uh, adverse uh, experiences, our finding or the results of our research could help people who are affected by this in their mental health, in their physical health. There is still a lot of work needed to be able to help these people directly. But if we could already confirm the possibility that indeed complex diseases like depression or borderline personality disorder may not necessarily be caused by something the person has done wrong, but could be something that is inherited from mum or dad, that would already be something very important for people to know and for um, psychiatrists and for medicine in general. Traumatic experiences can affect many people in the population. We naturally think of war, conflict, but in the daily life, in families, there are many different types of a trauma. Trauma can be physical violence, sexual violence, abuse, neglect, humiliation, verbal violence, many things which can happen not only in a low socioeconomic milieu, but also in, the, in wealthy families, when you have uh, abusive parents, abusive father very often, or at work or at school. I mean, the um, past couple of years around the the globe, I mean, there have been a number of examples of uh, abuse in, in children, whether in church, whether, uh, you know, abuse in, in, in young women, in young girls. 
So we are concerned. I mean, this is a type of trauma which is in the society everywhere and can affect everyone. Of course, there is also people who are uh, experiencing or exposed to very violent uh, events like war conflicts. If they are soldiers, or even in in countries which are going through uh, through major uh, major conflicts, it could be an accident, it could be a natural disaster. You know, if uh, if there is a uh, tsunami, the tsunami, for instance, in a, in various countries in the past decades, I mean that can be extremely traumatic for many people and for a very long time. Traumatic experiences can have multiple effects on the brain. It really depends on the severity of the trauma and on the age uh, during which the trauma was experienced and the duration of trauma. If it's a chronic trauma in childhood, you know, when the child brain is uh, developing, it can have massive effects, uh, not just effects in the cells, but also structural effects and prevent the brain from developing normally, from establishing uh, proper connections. If it's a traumatic, one single traumatic event in an adult, it may have shorter lasting uh, effects, which may, uh, you know, be alteration of uh, functions of some some cells uh, and consequences of the uh, the release of a stress hormone uh, in in the in the body and there are different ways to measure the uh, internal effects of uh, of trauma in the body but uh, it's a bit complicated because uh, you imagine an, an, an engine which is uh, working more or less well and starts to not work very well what is your readout you cannot you you don't really understand necessarily how the engine works but you may look at the uh, exhaust pipe and the gas analyze the gas and then realize that something is wrong so with the body it's a little bit the same i mean we don't understand exactly how the body functions but we have blood as a readout we can take blood do analysis like look at the composition of blood and maybe guess that something is going wrong in the body and perhaps in the brain but uh, today we don't know exactly uh, we have only a, v- a very rough idea of what uh, can be altered in the body uh, due to traumatic experiences A child may have lots of difficulties in developing normally and uh, being self-confident, having self-esteem um, and uh, having a balanced behavior. In adults, um, it can modify behavior. And people who have been, who have gone through a, an extreme stress, they may, or trauma, they may then be very fearful uh, they may have PTSD, which is an overreaction uh, or, or um, obsessive fear, which are not related to the environment. Someone can become suddenly very stressed and uh, have the heartbeat, uh, which uh, raises and uh, starting to sweat and feel bad when there is no threat around. Um, obsessive memories and traumatic memories can also um, happen in someone who has been experiencing uh, uh, traumatic experiences in, in, in uh, traumatic events in childhood. So there, are, there can be 
multiple effects affecting the brain and the body. It's very important to understand biology, to understand how the brain functions, how the brain reacts to various environments, and to understand disease etiology. Why are people exposed to traumatic experiences, suffering all their life, and why sometimes even their children suffer? We need to understand what are the origins of uh, such disease and why someone gets... Uh, a neuro Alzheimer's disease or a neurodegenerative uh, disorder uh, or mood disorder. So this fundamental research is absolutely essential to hope to obtain answers to these questions. Yes, well, being a scientist is a very tough profession. Uh, it's very difficult to be to become a researcher and have the freedom to do the research you want. But once you reach this level, it's an extremely exciting, very interesting, very stimulating profession. Each day is different and uh, we have the freedom to work on things that we like and you know, to discover how nature functions, how uh, new things which, have, which are not well understood is extremely exciting and if on top of this you are working on something that can help medicine to crack a problem to work on a problem which affects people in the society is makes the job even more interesting more challenging but uh, really uh, yeah, every day it fuels our uh, everyday work curiosity and uh, excitement by things which look mysterious and also with the, the drive of uh, changing, I mean, doing something that can improve people, that can be helpful for the society, for medicine um, and for, yeah, for people in general. Being useful, being useful to research by bringing new knowledge and by discovering how the brain functions. Now that's it for this episode of Tales from the Synapse. I'm Jean-Marie Zarte, a senior editor at Nature Neuroscience. The producer was Dom Byrne. Thanks again to Professor Isabel Mansui, and thank you for listening.